0: we're going to have our Bible reading um, which is taken from uh, Leviticus chapter 2 and children if you've got a Bible or if you can follow it which I hope it's going to come up on there I want you to see how many times the word offering or offerings or offer come up in the reading Right. so every time one comes up just count to yourself see if you can count how many times this comes up When we talk about offering or offering something, basically it's giving something. If I were to offer this lady here my pad, that's offering it, right? So that's what offering is when we're giving something to to somebody else. And this uh, uh, this, um, uh, reading uh, is talking about the offering that uh, is connected with uh, grain, so it's a bit confusing but as we read through it and as Rich uh, opens it up to us it will begin to make sense so children see how many times the word offering or offer appears in this passage Leviticus chapter 5 Leviticus chapter 1 sorry Leviticus chapter 2 when someone brings a grain offering to the Lord his offering is to be a fine flour he is to pour oil on it put incense on it and take it to Aaron's sons the priests the priest shall take a handful of the fine flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar an offering made by fire an aroma pleasing to the Lord the rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron his sons it is a most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire if you bring a grain offering baked in an oven it is to consist of fine flour cakes made without yeast and mixed with oil or wafers made without yeast and spread with oil if your grain offering is prepared on a griddle it is to be made of fine flour mixed with oil and without yeast crumble it and pour oil on it it is a grain offering. If your grain offering is cooked in a pan it is to be made of fine flour and oil bring the grain offering made of these things to the Lord present it to the priest who shall take it to the altar he shall take out memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it on the altar as is off as an offering made by fire an aroma pleasing to the Lord the rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons it is a most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire. Every grain offering you bring to the Lord must be made without yeast for you are not to burn any yeast or honey in the offering made to the Lord by fire. You may bring them to the Lord as an offering of the first fruits but they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to your offerings. If you bring a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, offer crushed heads of new grain roasted in the fire. Put oil and incense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest shall burn the memorial portion of the crushed grain and the oil together with all the incense as an offering made to the Lord by fire. Good
1: morning, everybody. Sorry that we can't be with you this morning, um, but let's dive into Leviticus chapter 2. If you've got a Bible or a device, get that open in front of you. Leviticus chapter 2, we're looking at the grain offering. I've um, recently begun um, going to a badminton club, play badminton sort of once a week or or thereabouts uh, for a bit of exercise and um, for a bit of a kind of mental switch off from work uh, and also uh, to meet people in the community as well. It's great. I enjoy. Uh, I'm kind of stumbling around and learning how to play badminton, um, but it's good fun. And one of the things that I've learned um, and it's very obvious when you play badminton is that there's, there's two of you there and you have to commit to the shot. Now, sometimes it's obvious it's over there or it's over here and you know, but sometimes it comes right down the middle and one of you has to commit to the shot. Otherwise, you're both going to miss. You have to commit and that's true of lots of things in life isn't it? Uh, Whether it's uh, people and relationships we commit to certain people or or committing to certain tasks and responsibilities, committing to our work or committing to some other project or task in the community. Uh, Commitment is just part of day-to-day life. We're in this series five sacrifices that speak and today we're looking at this second sacrifice or offering the grain offering, and it's all about this word commit. Uh, We're going to see two things this morning. Uh, The first thing is uh, we're going to take a look at what would you have done? Like let's pretend you were there. What would you have done? What would it have looked like to offer this grain offering? And then the second thing we'll look at is what we are called to do today. Um, So the first thing, what, what you would have done Um, It's a bit like, remember uh, Walking with Dinosaurs? You might remember that as a six-part BBC kind of speculative documentary, uh, Walking with Dinosaurs. And uh, here what we're doing really is walking with Israelites. You know, imagine you were there. What was it like? Well, Monday morning, um, you'd go um, to present your offering. Uh, These are daily offerings, aren't they? And first of all, you'd have done the burnt offering. Remember the burnt offering from last week? It was all about atonement. How we can be at one with God Uh, and the guilty uh, sinner uh, would come before God knowing that they had displeased God and yet wonderfully because of sacrifice, because of atonement, they could know that God was pleased, that pleasing aroma but the key is that sacrifice was needed it was required so that we've had the burnt offering you've you've given that offering and now you come to the grain offering the second offering in elsewhere in the old testament these are daily offerings that often come together well this is the grain offering it's i guess meat free isn't it it's flour it's oil it's a bit of incense And there are some bake-off options, aren't there? I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Different bake-off options. You've got your standard bake, haven't you, in verse 4. If you bring a grain offering baked in an oven, it is to consist of the finest flour, either thick loaves made without yeast and with olive oil mixed in, or thin loaves made without yeast and brushed with olive oil. In in other words, you've got options. There's, There's no yeast anywhere. Um, uh, And you using an oven, but you can go for a thick loaf or a thin loaf and you can have your oil uh, in or or on. Why don't we have a vote? Go on. Put your hand up if you would prefer to put your oil in. uh, And put your hand up if you prefer to put your oil uh, on uh, the loaf. So that's the standard bake. Uh, And then the second option is the griddle, isn't it? It's there in verse five. If your grain offering is prepared on a griddle, it is to be made of the finest flour mixed with oil and without yeast. Crumble it, pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. That's the griddle option. It's a, a bit more sort of hands on. It's a bit more portable and there's more oil involved. And then the third option is dinky donuts, isn't it? Uh, verse uh, seven: If your grain offering is cooked in a pan, this is basically a, 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 a frying pan, a deep fat fryer sort of thing. It is to be made of the finest flour with uh, and some olive oil. Um, this is a kind of deep fried donut of the ancient world sort of thing. Now I don't know about you, maybe you like dinky donuts, or maybe you like what, what are they? Maybe you're more of a churros sort of person, uh, or maybe you think what churros? Uh, fried bread for me, but uh, uh, whatever it is, that was the third option, the dinky donut option. And uh, what happens next? Well, the priest uh, takes the offering, don't they? Verse 8, bring the grain offering made of these things to the Lord, present it to the priest, who shall take it to the altar. He shall take out the memorial portion of the, the, the grain offering. So the, the priest takes out this portion and offers that as the grain offering. Uh, But then in verse 10 we read the rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the food offerings presented to the Lord. So the rest of the grain offering, what was left over, uh, belonged to the priests basically. Now, uh, we're going to take an aside just now and whiz forward into the New Testament just for a moment. So we're going to leave our walking with the Israelites just for a moment and go forward to the New Testament. We'll come back to this grain offering in a moment. Uh, As we go forward into the New Testament, what we see is that uh, Paul refers to this event very specifically in 1 Corinthians 9 uh, verse 13. You can read it. Hopefully that'll be up on the screen there for you. 1 Corinthians 9.13, Paul says, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar, that's this, share in what is offered on the altar. He's describing this situation here. And then in the very next breath, he says, 1 Corinthians 9.14, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Now we have to be ever so careful with this uh, as we draw an analogy from the Old Testament to the New. Uh, New Testament gospel workers, whether they're pastors or other gospel workers, missionaries or whoever they might be, they're not equivalent to Old Testament priests, not the same at all. In fact if you know your New Testament you'll know that actually the Bible teaches that we are all now priests, all Christians, we're a kingdom of priests, what the church has historically called the priesthood of all believers. Uh, But Paul uh, rightly here draws an analogy from the old to the new and he takes up this idea that the priests were provided for from the offering. They didn't have to go elsewhere for that. Uh, And he says, look, the normal New Testament expectation is that gospel workers receive their living from gospel work. Now Paul is an exception to his own rule here. Paul is the exception, and he he refers to this in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, because he uh, is able to kind of support himself while doing gospel work. He does that in different ways, sometimes by paid work himself, sometimes, I guess, because he was quite a wealthy, uh, well-known character, sometimes because he had benefactors who supported him. Uh, And what Paul did there was wonderful and also exceptional, i.e. not normal. The normal expectation of the New Testament is that a gospel worker will be supported by the gospel work that they do. Now, that has uh, implications for us as a church. One is that uh, just to set our expectations. A big chunk of our church budget goes to supporting and freeing up and enabling gospel workers, Uh, The obvious example is yours truly. Uh, But it's more than that, isn't it? Actually, we support a part of, if you like, uh, Michael Lawrence over at Great Blakenham and our missionaries. Uh, And there are other bits and pieces that we do throughout the year, which also go towards freeing up and enabling gospel workers to do gospel work. Uh, It might have future implications for us as well, uh, as we look around us at the gospel needs in our community and in our communities that we represent As we look at the needs of the church itself, it may well be that we need to take on other gospel workers of various kinds to enable that gospel work to go forwards. Uh, So that's a a massive aside there, but Paul makes that link so we ought to go there. Let's go right back now to the Israelites. Uh, Let's go back to this grain offering. Now Mary Berry uh, would be in dismay at this point, wouldn't she? Because there's no yeast and there's no honey. I don't know if you noticed that in verse 11. No yeast at all, and no honey in this offering. I think the yeast thing there is to do with the idea that yeast permeates. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing in the Bible. And often it's a negative thing, a thing of corrupting, you know, spreading through the whole batch. You see that referred to a number of times in the New Testament. And then there's oil, isn't there? Clearly with this offering there's a lot of oil. Oil in the Bible often symbolises joy and sometimes the Holy Spirit as well. And then the other key ingredient here is salt, isn't it? Did you notice that in verse 13? It keeps coming, doesn't it? Verse 13, season all your grain offerings with salt. Just in case we missed it, it then says, do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. And then again, add salt to all your offerings. Is that you? Are you from that generation that added salt to everything? You put salt in everything, you put salt on everything. Uh, you just love a bit of salt. Uh, well, that, this, this verse is for you. They, they, they had to put salt everywhere, basically. Uh, what, why is that? Why this emphasis on salt? Well, salt was symbolic of friendship and a, a agreements being made, covenants, and that's why it talks there about the salt of the covenant of your God. Two of the references in the Old Testament that have this idea of the salt of the covenant of your God. Both of them, uh, one refers to uh, everlasting uh, and the other one uses the words forever. So there's an emphasis here on a permanence, on something that's long term. In the ancient world salt couldn't be destroyed by fire or by time. There's a permanence. We are in a permanent, long-term covenant relationship with God. That's what we're seeing here in the grain offering. What have you just done then? It's Monday morning, you've done your burnt offering, now you've just done your grain offering. What have you actually, what's happened here? Well, what you've done is you've made a joyful response to the Lord on a daily basis, expressing covenant commitment. Just think about it. See, I offer the basics of my day-to-day, my every day, in response to what he has done for me. The burnt offering, he has atoned for my sins. He's made it so that I can be at one with him. And now I offer this grain offering, the basics of uh, of life. Oil and bread were, were, were basics. And actually there's a little more to it actually here because sometimes with the grain offering would come a drink offering. So that's wine as well, oil, bread and wine, just basic essentials of ancient life and and food stuff offered to God. I offer myself and my stuff to him on a daily basis. I'm committed to him. That's the grain offering. That's what you would have done if you were there. But then secondly, uh, and more briefly, what you are called to do. What you are called to do. Now, before we go there, we have to always remember, don't we, Christianity is ultimately and primarily about what he has done for me. Yeah, that atonement. Go back to last week if you didn't see it and and watch last week as we talked about how how, uh, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, That burnt offering is the basis. Did you notice it's the first offering of the day? It's the first one described here. In Leviticus it's foundational and it's about atonement. And for us uh, that is essential and foundational and basic. And you know we don't earn our atonement. We don't earn the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus paid the price on the cross for us. We don't earn that. But we do respond to it. We do respond. The Christian life is a life of responding to what God has done for us through Jesus on the cross. It's a, it's a joyful response. It's a daily response. It's a covenant commitment that we make to God through Jesus it's me offering the basics of just my day-to-day life, mundane things, simple things, basic things offered to him, offering myself and my stuff to him. Now, when I was in my early 20s, which was not that long ago, but uh, when I was at university, I was in my early 20s, I kind of got this. You know, sometimes you get it, like, up here, but it needs to, the penny literally needs to drop from head to heart in the Christian life. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Like, oh, I really get it now, and I'm still getting it, I'm still learning and, and growing. But there were two things that helped me to just to get this. One Bible passage, one Bible verse, in fact, and one verse at the end of a great hymn, a great song. The, the, the verse from the Bible is Romans 12 uh, verse 1. Now Paul um, in Romans has talked a lot about what God has done for us how God has brought about the forgiveness of our sins, how we have been justified by faith through through Jesus. Even though we'd sinned against God, God has saved us, he's loved us, he's, he's chosen us and he's adopted us into his family, he's given us the Holy Spirit, all of these things that God has done for us. And these little kind of mountaintops happen in in Romans. And then you get to the great peak, Romans 12, verse 1. And Paul looks back at all of that stuff. And he says, therefore... Now, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to think, what is the therefore, therefore, right? And it's pointing back at all this stuff. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, when we see what God has done for us, then we respond with all of ourselves, everything that we have, we offer as a response to that great love. That verse really helped me to understand the Christian life. And then the final verse of a great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's all about the cross of Jesus. The third penultimate verse. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich A crown, it's picturing, surveying the cross of Jesus. And then the final verse. Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. All that I am, all that I have, uh, my time, that's his, all of it. Uh, My work, you know, sometimes I think, oh, work, you know. But at least, you know, spiritual things like growth group and church and stuff like that. But work's just work, isn't it? Well, no, that's his. It's all part of how we serve him and joyfully respond to his love. Where we work, how we work, what we work, what we do, how we do it, all of that. Is for him all of our lives. If you've got kids raising those kids, if you've got grandchildren, uh, how you engage with them, that's all his. The things of day to day life are all part of our joyful response to him. So you don't need to nip to Asta to get some flour, oil, and incense. You can do it if you want to. The grain offering signifies a daily life offered to him, all of life committed to him. Because love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all.